Hello there. Sean here with an announcement before we get into our episode. Doctor Who's That will be appearing at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C. on August 21st and August 22nd. On August 21st at 2.45, we'll be doing a shortened live version of our show where we'll be talking about the first Doctor Who Dalek movie, Doctor Who and the Daleks. And we'll be back on Sunday the 22nd at 10.45 a.m. where I'll be joined by Kieran on a panel where we'll be ranking our top 10 favorite Doctor Who companions. So if you're in the Washington, D.C. area or you're planning on attending AwesomeCon there, please come and see us and see our panels and say hello. All right, we'll let you get on to our episode now. Thanks. On this episode of Doctor Who's That, we talk about Yorkshire Puddings, I Can't Believe It's Not Triffids, and Doctor Who? More like Doctor Where. Mission to the Unknown. Uh. Hello and welcome back to Doctor Who's That. This is your host, Sean Gleason. Joining me as always is Bay. Hello and uh, I must kill. And Andy. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm your Doctor Who fan and I resemble a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> And also joining us this time, we have Dan. Hello, I'm Dan. All right. Well, today we are talking about Mission to the Unknown, also known as Dalek Cutaway, a much more descriptive yet boring name. This story originally aired October 9th, 1965, and just then, because this is our one and only one-part serial, it's one of the many reasons why this is a unique Doctor Who story. The other big one being that it doesn't feature any of the main cast, despite the fact that William Hartnell does receive a credit for it, unlike everyone else. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I, was, I was looking, and uh, like they don't even get mentioned. Nope. Well, if if your character's name is the title of the show, I guess you get billing. Yeah, I think that Hartnell oh. just, you know, managed to get a better contract than everybody <laughs> else did. I mean, did he get paid for not being on screen? Because that's, that's really the coup. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It could be in his contract that he had to get paid something. He had to be credited in every episode. I know that much is true that he had to be credited. I don't know if he had to be paid. This this was a pretty unusual one. Yeah. Part of the reason why this exists 
goes way back to the beginning of season two, where we had the planet with giants. That story, as you might recall, was shortened by one episode. And so there was just an extra episode floating around that was supposed to be made at some point. So this is a mathematical error. Pretty much. Huh. And, you know, they were trying to figure out what to do with that leftover slot. Verity Lambert thought that it would be nice to give the cast an extra week off between the production blocks. Plus, it would also save some costs, considering that, you know, they wouldn't have to pay the main cast. And that there were a few episodes back at the beginning that had to be reshot. So good to save some money somewhere. Well, you know, there's not a whole lot of, I guess there may be three different sets or Mm -hmm. something that this particular episode uses. I mean, one assumes. Yeah. But I mean, like, it it seems like it would be pretty cheap to put together. I mean, one of the versions that I watched was a reconstruction by a a theatrical troupe. So it didn't take a whole lot to remake this one. Yeah. So, yeah, and... Uh, Lambert decided that this story would serve as a good preview for the upcoming Dalek story, which by this point had ballooned into a 12-part behemoth. Whoa. And yes, I did say 12-parter. Wait, so that's what we're looking forward to next time? Not next time. There's another story in between. But yes, we are coming upon a (sighs) 12-part Dalek story. Tell me it's not also written by Terry Nation. In part. Okay, <laughs> so, cool. Hang, hang on here. Cool. We've got this, this episode, which picks up immediately after our previous serial. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to a different story. <laughs> yep. But what's happening with the Daleks? Well, <laughs> clearly they're getting, they're doing stuff. Like this, I... <laughs> How am I supposed to focus on the new story when the Daleks are out there scheming? I mean, they just weren't sitting around, you know. (laughs) Yeah, for a thousand years. So, I mean, we'll get to it. But like, I kept thinking in my head, like I was, I you know, I was, I thought I was prepared for it because I was, you know, I was told ahead of time, like, hey, just you know, this one's kind of like weird. It's on its own. It's like, but you know, and I at the end of the last episode, right? You know, you see the must kill thing, and it was just. I just kept thinking, though, it's like one of those like weird, like one off episodes where like, you know, it's a bunch of people and like your your main characters in a car driving by and like, oh, what's going on over there? You know, and then like it zooms in on that. And then that's all you do for like an hour and a half. It's it was just so weird. (laughs) I sometimes like those stories, but. Sometimes. It's made all the the more unusual that, you know, if we're going to veer off into yet some other distraction next time. <laughs> so, yeah, the production team had wanted to stick with four-parters, but, of course, they keep getting stuck with these six-part Dalek stories. And according to lore, we are getting so much Dalek stories right now because... The current head of the BBC, Hugh Weldon, his mother-in-law apparently loved the Daleks, although some sources say that it was really Weldon who loved the Daleks, but it seems that it was his fault. We keep getting, like, multiple Dalek stories in each season. Mm -hmm. 
It's very possible that it was him who suggested that they mash their yearly two-part Dalek stories into one giant 12-parter. But yeah, um, Terry Nation had been asked to come up with another Dalek story way back when while the chase was being produced. And Nation went to Dennis Spooner and asked him for some help coming up with this new story. So this is going to be written by both Nation and Spooner. And when Nation was asked to write a 13th part to set the main story up, he viewed this as an opportunity to lay the groundwork for a Dalek series that he hoped to sell, and he hoped to export this series to the U.S. So basically, yeah, this is Terry Nation making a Dalek backdoor pilot. Oh, my God. You know, everything's more extreme in the U.S., <laughs> which is, I assume, why this particular episode is so grim. Yeah. <laughs> but it was never sent to the U.S., was it? No, no, I don't believe it was. But yeah, Nation was busy working with Spooner on Spooner's new series, The Baron. And so, yeah, they both kind of split writing duties on the upcoming 12-parter. And there's plenty of rumors that Spooner also had a large hand in writing this episode, partially due to the fact that there's a planet named Kemble in this story, which also appeared in a previous story written by Dennis Spooner. But this story, to save some more money, was also recorded at the same time as the final scenes of Galaxy 4 and used the same production crew to uh, just keep everybody on board and just move straight into this one and through it. So, yeah, it's written by Terry Nation. The director is, again, Derek Martinez, which gives us our first Dalek-centric story that's not written by Richard Martin, which is why it probably looked better than anything Richard Martin ever did. In terms of our actors, uh, the only one who I have noted is Jeremy Young, who played Gordon Lowry. We previously saw him as Cal way back in An Unearthly Child. No. Oh, oh wow. my gosh. <laughs> Making a comeback. I thought he was hairier. Yeah. So let's move on to talking about this story. Uh, I forgot to call to say, you know, our state of the Hoonian. Darn. <laughs> just cut it in later yes. you're like hey everyone welcome to our state of the Hoonian <laughs> that's me rewinding the tape yeah that's good that's good keep it get that foley in there yeah so mission to the unknown like, it starts off with, like, some, I guess, alien monkey sounds? Yeah. Well, actually, do you have any notes on the, the soundtrack, by the way? Because no. that's pretty, I thought it was pretty wild. It seemed to be mostly bum bum bums. Like, yeah, that's all dramatic. Da da. Yep, lots of dra- dramatic dun duns. I'm sure that we have some of the same Dalek music we're used to strewn in there as well. But yeah, I don't really have many notes on that. Just that we open with a jungle scene and jungle noises, so we know straight away we're in the midst of a Terry Nation story. I guess we didn't really bring it up, but this is a incomplete, this is a reconstruction. Yes. So, you know, p- slow panning and, and that sort of thing. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we get that from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. So we have a guy who we later learn is Jeff Garvey getting up the ground and saying he remembers now. He must kill. And Garvey wanders off to spy on two men who are repairing a crashed spaceship. There's Lowry, the captain, and Mark Corey, a guy who the captain had told to give full reign to over this expedition. This is why I was getting a little bit confused right off the bat, because we've got Lowry, who is clearly more of a mechanic in this Mm -hmm. scene. He's like trying to repair the downship. And you've got Corey, who it is established is not the captain, but is calling all the shots. Yeah. So, yeah, Larry's definitely not happy with this state of affairs. And he just wants to get the ship back in working order. He doesn't know why they even bothered to land here in the first place. While Corey's more concerned about where Garvey is so they can get out of here. It's never quite explained why he went running off, but... yeah. So when Corey goes into the ship to look for some tools, Garvey begins to sneak up on Lowry, gun raised. Before he's able to fire, he's shot down by Corey, much to Lowry's chagrin. Corey tells Lowry that it was either him or you, but Lowry is angry and does a very pathetic attack on Corey from what it seems. Okay, I want to talk about this. I really do. Okay, <laughs> is it? Are is it? Are you talking about the gun, or are you talking about the? No, 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 no. I, I just. Uh, so, I thought it would. First of all, I want to say I thought it would be fun if I watched the reconstruction first, which I did, and then like I kind of mostly just kind of slowly you made my way through the original just to hear kind of the difference because at the end of the day that's all I was going to do and maybe see some of the the telesnaps but so (laughs) in the reconstruction Lowry the remake oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, the remake it's quite good yeah it is it is is. and we'll talk about that sure but like Lowry like steps to Corey and Corey just backhands him in the face and like to the the ground but it's all like there I remember that 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 whole argument's very proper you know what I can't believe you did that well I did and then just slap you know and it's just like I loved it well I mean he he does get a little bit hysterical though you just shot him down yeah yeah it's just it I just I just thought of this now. I was just I kept thinking of like Lawrence of Arabia in space or like some, you know, like British kind of like men in the in the jungle being tough men experience, like downed plane sort of story, only it's a rocket ship. Actually I was getting a lot of Ian energy from Corey. Did anybody else Oh yeah kind yeah. of pick that up? Yeah, I can action, see that. Action Brit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I guess it's should be explained now that there was a remake of this in 2019 that we also watched <laughs> along with the reconstruction. So, right. yeah, reconstruction remake. Yeah, the remake was done by, I guess, some college students, right? Like yeah. acti- acting students, was it? Yeah, it was some college students at the University of Central Lancashire, and it was released actually. October 9th of 2019. So same wow. day, just, you know, 50 something years later. Oh, bless them. Wait. They're so they're so poetic. Yeah. <laughs> so the we've been recording for quite a while. We started recording before this existed. Oh wow. I guess so, huh? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's been that yeah. long, huh? 
Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not recording this episode, by the way, recording this podcast. It would be crazy if we started recording this episode (laughs) before the remake existed. You should have seen how much we cut from this episode. Oh, my God. (laughs) What a a podcast that would be, though. Just like, like... you know, this is the podcast where every episode we go over like three or four seconds from this one like, <laughs> reconstructed Doctor Who. And then we think he stepped to the left. But, you know, it's really, you know, the records aren't entirely clear. And then, I mean, you could do it. Yeah. I would not be surprised if somebody has. Okay. So, you know, they get into that little fight where Query just slaps sense Slap. into Larry and they go and enter the ship. After they enter the ship, we see Garvey's hand begin to move and spiny Varga thorns growing on the back. It should be noted that actually um, they they collect one of the Varga oh, yes, thorns yes. from Garvey. So Corey, will learn, already kind of gets an idea about what's going on. Corey knows what's up. Corey has yeah. known what's up. Since the episode started, Yo, yeah. the rest of us are just along for the ride. Yeah, since Corey found one of those Varga thorns near Garvey's ear, and he warns Larry not to prick himself or he'll end up like Garvey and he'll have to be killed as well. Not foreshadowing there. I don't know. Space Security Service. License to kill. That's right. Corey begins to explain what's going on. He's a part of something called the Space Security Service. I really want that badge. Yeah, <laughs> flash that. And he asks if Larry's familiar with the Daleks, who invaded Earth a thousand years ago. Oh, can we also say, though, that Corey has a license to kill? Yes. He is a, he is a space 007. And yeah. you know is... he's going straight to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Never do that again. Do not cut that. Keep that absolutely <laughs> in the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I loved how like he's very much like Space James Bond. Yeah. Very much so. And so he explains over the last 500 years, the Daleks have taken over a large number of planets in other systems and constellations and galaxies, which all seem to mean the same thing, but whatever. And a week ago, a space freighter spotted a ship in their system that matches the descriptions they have of Dalek ships. That's the first one. I liked that one. Outside, Garvey stands. And in the reconstruction, I liked the transition that we get here from, you know, a bit of a live action shot to that still shot as it zooms out to show us that Garvey is becoming a Varga plant. A Yorkshire pudding. They're they're really wild looking. They're very fuzzy looking. Yes. And cute in a way. You know, uh, very. <laughs> I don't know make if this is intentional, but deadly like deadly cactus, cute. Yeah, it's like fuzzy. I, you know, like there's fuzzy cactuses, right? I don't, you know, the ones yeah, you see, yeah. like yeah, there are or whatever. So he looked. He definitely looked like a, a cute fuzzy cactus Yorkshire pudding man. So I, I found it interesting that Corey, who seems to know all about the Varga plants, just left the body of Garvey sitting out there waiting to turn into one right outside the ship instead of disposing of it somehow so that transformation couldn't happen. Right. Well, I mean, like they say, you know, the, oh, they'll just, they'll just like, you can't cut them up or whatever. They'll just or shoot them. They'll just grow back. So, I mean, I guess, 
but yeah, he he clearly knew what he was talking about and knew that like there, I, I, I was getting Triffid vibes too. You know, definitely oh, yeah. that's a very you know big. I can't believe they're not Triffids. Right? Did we like? I need to look this up. We should look this up, and then if we like simulate my voice sounding smart and saying that like, <laughs> Triffid Triffids actually predated this by three years, or like this predated Triffids or something. Now the Triffids predated this by okay. probably about three years. Okay, so clearly an inspiration then. <laughs> yeah. This was not the first time that they tried to rip off the Triffids. And this is not the first time that Terry Nation tried to rip off the Triffids in Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> but this is um this is definitely we've already seen deadly creatures from Scaro yeah. before. You know, the the pet that um the foreman <laughs> the slither. The slither. Back back on uh, Earth with the Dalek invasion of Earth. Now we've got these uh, Varga plants as well, just adding to Dalek homeworld lore. Right. It's it's such a great catch-all, right? You know, mm-hmm. if we want something crazy and like super deadly, we'll just say it's from Scaro. Yeah. I wonder how many talls they, they turned. <laughs> this is the most hostile planet in the universe. People from other civilizations avoid it. I suddenly had a hunch that this might make an ideal place for any secret preparations that the Daleks wanted to make. That's why we brought this ship down here. While Garvey's becoming a Varga plant outside, Corey's in the ship trying to send a message, while Larry's saying that the ship is unrepairable. Which, as it turns out, is bad because Corey didn't actually bother to tell anybody where they were going. He just asked for a ship and a few men. He explains that he wanted to check out the planet Kemble, as it's known as the most hostile planet in the universe, and he thought that it would make a good secret base for the Daleks. Although one has to wonder what's so dangerous about Kemble, considering that everything that we see that's dangerous about it comes from Skaro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't even get into that. Like, yeah. I feel like they... Why do they have to make the tr- the plants from Scaro, right? Like, why couldn't he have just said, "Yeah, there's a lot of crazy plants on this on this planet," and that's why it's probably, you know, I don't know. It seemed like another tyranniation. Because they wanted yeah. to give him a, a reason as to why he was convinced the Daleks were already on Kemble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Although in his the original plans, the planet that they were on was going to be called Varga, and the Varga plants were obviously going to be from here. So it made some sense originally. Mm. But yeah, he probably decided, eh, it uh, helps with his theorizing if they're from Skaro. So who cares if it throws out all the rest of the sense that the story will make? They're, they're from Skaro. The Daleks made them. So yeah, the Daleks created the Varga plants as a defense weapon. And Corey says that they are part animal, part cactus with thorns that poison the brain, give people the overwhelming desire to kill, and turns them into Varga plants. It makes me think back to the Dalek invasion of Earth. I don't know if it's just Terry Nation or just, you know, a a common thing with these uh, Dalek stories, but there's a lot of kind of zombie Mm -hmm. things going on with with all of these stories. You've got the, the mind control... Robo men helmets. The ro- yeah, d- I mean not Cybermen. Yeah. We don't want to go saying that. Um, <laughs> I'm not even supposed but, to know about you know, those. I know, I know. But <laughs> I'm alive Bay. in the world. It's true. 
yeah, there's just, I've noticed this recurring theme of something that takes over humans and forces them to do terrible things when it comes to the Daleks. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that is certainly probably not now. And it's, I'm sure it happens like some at some point. But like from my kind of like modern observations, there's, there has always been kind of like a body horror element, you know, to the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like at, so, at various different points in the series, I, I, I seem to recall people talking about like Dalekification or something like that. But uh. <laughs> so we get our first glimpse of the Daleks in the episode at their secret Dalek base where they're apparently preparing for a conference with emissaries from the seven outer systems. So, yeah, the Daleks are apparently working with others now. Which is wild because they're so genocidal. I was like, oh, I thought they would just conquer. I was actually really surprised when I saw that because what I've seen of the Daleks in most of the Doctor Who that I have already watched, they work alone. Like, yeah. They famously don't need friends, and here well, they they're are. They're the master race, right? Yeah, here they are, like working alongside six other interplanetary powers as equals. It was a little bit, a little bit surprising. I was definitely getting some like strong like Legion of Doom vibes there. <laughs> you know, they're. I mean, they're even gathered around like the circular, circular <laughs> planning table. Yeah, carving up the solar system. But anyway, yeah. but we're not there yet. But I will say. In the uh, remake here, and I recorded this, so uh, I wouldn't forget. There is like this. I, I think it's like the head of security Dalek is like a Guy Ritchie character. Like he's got like this Cockney <laughs> accent. And well, like I'm gonna play it here so that we can all like know what we're talking about. We can cut it in later. But it's like it will be done. <laughs> it's like oh sorry it's very much like a you what mate you know just like <laughs> punch your mother like oh <laughs> i loved it we are hunting them and i yeah that, that was one of the parts of the um the reconstruction that you know i watched second that i I paid very close attention to. I was like, okay, like, was their intention to detail such that, like, you know, one of the original Daleks? No, they all sounded the same. Yeah, like, <laughs> just, just a random Cockney da- Dalek. It happens. We will get him. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the uh, security also reports that an enemy ship has been located, and the Black Dalek orders it destroyed. Black Dalek, by the way, the I guess would this be Dalek Supreme? Yeah, in the in the remake was awesome, like like pitch perfect Dalek voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh okay. yeah, no, the Daleks were very impressive in the 2019 remake. I noted that that's like, hey, those are some good looking Daleks. Yeah, real good. So back with Corey and Larry. They're now planning to launch a beacon with a recorded message into space in order to get help. And as they work, Corey notices that some Varga plants are very slowly closing in, since they apparently drag themselves on their roots, not at all triffid like oh. <laughs> <laughs> And he's sure that the Daleks know that they're there. Larry wants to shoot these plants, but this is when Corey tells him, don't, they'll only regrow as fast as you can shoot them. It's not worth it. I did think it was interesting that they also pointed out that Varga plants were were cooked up in a lab. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're not naturally occurring. But... Nope. They're created by the Daleks for defense purposes. As Corey and Lowry work, a ship passes overhead, which Corey decides must be from one of the outer galaxies and that it must mean the Daleks are up to something big. The Daleks note that the ship from Giron is arriving and their great alliance is about to begin. You have much better ears than I I, I had Skiron or something? I don't know. <laughs> I think that I it was because I was reading along with a transcript as I was watching the reconstruction. There <laughs> so, are some crazy names in this. Yeah. Just buckle in. That would probably help. I, I had some problems with the audio. Yeah, oh, yeah, the audio at some points in these reconstructed it's, episodes is not muddled. always great. Yeah. So, yeah, it helps to, if you're going to watch the reconstructions, it helps to have a um, copy of the transcript. Just so, just so we're on the same page as to like what the names of some of these things are. The planet is Kendall. Kemble. Kemble? Yep. I had Kempo at one point. <laughs> the Foot Fist planet. No. Which? The, the Foot Fist planet? That's... Oh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. 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 You got to take that snort out of there. <laughs> no, absolutely leave that in. And I thought that there was a... Is it Malpha? Malphus. Malphus? Yes. Oh, that's even cooler. We'll see Malphus in a little bit. <laughs> He's left the Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Corey and Larry are finishing their preparations with the beacon and Corey notices something out there is moving quickly much too quickly for a Varga plant they grab the rocket and the beacon and run and soon after Daleks arrive they check inside and ultimately destroy the earth ship they're not here <laughs> where'd they go sorry sorry I apologies to, I know that I know at least one British person listens to this and like I'm so sorry <laughs> Rose, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're not going to say, "Hey, Andy, that's spot on." No, definitely not. In fact, the last time I did it, I think she told me I sounded like um, Dick Van Dyke, nice. which is apparently like very bad. So, eh, if you're going to sound like someone, <laughs> so our our two protagonists in this, Lowry and Corey, see the Daleks blast their ship apart. Yeah, um, a mm-hmm. UN ship, which I thought was interesting too, because they're both clearly British. It's got the British flag on it, but it also has UN markings, so it's all a little muddled anyway. Well, and then the remake, I, I did, I did notice that uh, comparing like the telesnaps to the remake, they had like obsessively gotten all the decals and everything. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll, absolutely. Although I will note that in the uh, remake, they added um, uh, country flags to their uniforms. Mm-hmm. Much like, you know, like a united kind of military, whatever would have. Whereas in the original, there's none. Well, the the thing that's really wild about the um, the theatrical troupe that uh, did the, the remake is, and you can't tell it from the telesnaps, it almost feels like the way that Corey like kind of tries to get Lowry to keep moving. He almost pushes him into the bark of plant. <laughs> yeah, I did note that. Him. That it seems like, yeah, he 
in that remake. Whoops. Yep, it's it's all Corey's fault <laughs> that. Um, well, now I gotta shoot you. Well, I think we've already established that this is kind of an abusive relationship. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, that slap was not called for. No. <laughs> so yeah, at this point, when Corey tries to rush Larry along, Larry jabs gets jabbed or jabs himself with a Varga plant. Because apparently they were hiding right beside one. Yeah. Like literally no reason. Yeah. I mean, they're eight feet tall and they're, they're, they they look like Yorkshire pudding, you know, cattails with spikes. Like, yeah. What are you doing? It does get a little confusing how they were even able to get away from the Daleks who they, um, the Daleks themselves had said, we're going to close in from two different directions on the ship. So at least in the remake Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of thread the needle between the plants, which makes it seem a little bit more likely that he could have got poked somewhere. But eh. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like the Daleks have terrible hearing, at least in this episode. I mean, um, again, this was from the remake, but I just I remember at one point, like yeah. they come up from they come up behind one. He's like, "Ooh, whoops!" And then yeah. he turns <laughs> like he says they are yeah, literally talking pretty loudly right next to a Dalek who About does five, not notice five them. feet away or so. Yeah, they also really couldn't see them, but I mean, yeah. their, their vision might have been impaired or something. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Put a little bit of mud on that eye stock. Yeah. Larry grabs the thorn out of his hand. He tries to suck out the Varga juice and hurries along, not saying anything at all about what has just happened. This is indeed an historic moment in the history of the universe. We six from the outer galaxies, joining with the power from the solar system, the Daleks. The seven of us represent the greatest war force ever assembled. Conquest is assured. Mars, Venus, Jupiter, the moon colonies. Back at the Dalek City, Malpha has finally arrived and this meeting can finally begin. Except that he is a little bit shy about doing so because he real he's somehow heard that there are um, what interlopers uh, there yeah. on the enemy forces hostile aliens. <laughs> okay, yeah, everybody. I, apparently, if you are bad in early Doctor Who, you have to talk like this. This is how bad people talk. Yeah, like hostile everyone in that meeting. Solo- Solar system presence nearby. Right. Nice. Yes. Nice. The black Dalek assures the delegates and Malthus, don't worry, they're not amongst us. They're out there in the jungle. Their ship's been destroyed. They can't leave the planet. We're hunting them down. They won't be able to save a message. We'll exterminate them. So, you know, the meeting goes on. It progresses. They all reach an agreement that the six from the outer galaxies will be joining the power from the solar system, the Daleks. Which leaves one to wonder, is Scaro in our solar system? Is I'm Kemble? glad that you brought it up. <laughs> because I guess there are just a few planets we haven't figured out about yet. Yeah. It's like, does Terry Nation know what a solar system is? What the difference between a solar no. system and yeah. a galaxy is? No, he does I, not. Uh, 
<laughs> I just thought that might have been some sort of reference to the fact that the Daleks had once conquered Earth a thousand years ago. So maybe they still consider Earth to be their property. But it's kind of weird that they would refer to themselves as being from the solar system. So, yeah, this is not the last time that we get this confusion about constellations, solar systems, galaxies. They all basically mean the same thing in terms of Doctor Who. What that thing means, what that thing actually is, who knows? Let's just assume Kemble and Skaro are in our same galaxy. That's what it seems to mean. <laughs> now, did anybody notice at this point? Did So did everybody watch the remake? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. mm-hmm. yes. Uh, this I I this is where I almost lost it because as it's panning across the aliens and they're all saying agreed, one of them like you can just completely see his face like they <laughs> like and his like mustache just like in the <laughs> <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. agreed. It's yeah. like a dude's face with his mustache. It's awesome. As long as we're talking about you know um, <laughs> inter- interplanetary confusion and. Um, you know, mixing up uh, uh, some of the taxonomy. I also noticed that they said that the Earth was at the center of the solar system. <laughs> I'm like, is this some kind of like Copernican? Yeah, I just took that to mean that if you take a look at how large the solar system is, in a relative sense, Earth is pretty close to the center of it. But sure. yeah, that I, I'm not going to give the writer enough credit for that. I. I think they just sort of made a goof on that. I'm fine with them hand-waving certain things. I mean, like, it makes sense that uh, the Daleks are going to use the the term galaxy and universe fairly interchangeably because they've got three syllables and it's very fun to say galaxy or universe as opposed to, you know, uh, anything else. And yeah, they are going to conquer all of the planets and the colonies, but Earth first. One thing I noticed was they're talking about conquering them, but they mm-hmm. also talk about destroying the entire galaxy and reducing it to dust and ashes. It's like, well, oh, are yeah, you Malfus. going to <laughs> are you going to conquer it or are you going to destroy it? Destroy it. Salt the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> So back in the jungle, Larry's not doing very good. Yeah, he's getting a little hairy. <laughs> yep, getting a bit spiny there. Uh, Corey returns and says that he just listened in at the Dalek City. He heard an announcement. The galaxy is going to be invaded and destroyed. I thought it was kind of wild. He said that there were th- there was some kind of loudspeaker on yeah. the building where they're conducting their <laughs> secret plot. Yes. That's like... If there was a microphone in the West Wing of the White House and every time, you know, the president sat down with a head of state, it was just broadcast all over the National Mall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard I heard them talking about their plans. They were just, just broadcasting <laughs> everywhere. But I mean, like that that tracks. Right. That's very that's a very Dalek thing to do. Like destroy yeah. the Earth, destroy the Earth. And everybody's like, oh, I think they're going to destroy the Earth. Yeah. Well, I mean, they wouldn't even need a loudspeaker for that. There's no volume control on those Daleks. I know, and that's the thing. I just, I, to me, like when, like he said that, like all I could do was imagine like what a Dalek city would sound like, and it's just like the New York subway all the time. Everybody's just screeching around everywhere. <laughs> it is eleven o'clock. 
11 o'clock. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> All is well. Sorry, viewers, <laughs> listeners, sorry. So, <laughs> moving on. This is some audio bleach. Is yeah. what this is. <laughs> So Larry starts saying kill, kill, and reaches from his for his gun, but Corey shoots him dead. Corey begins to record a message where he's going to send out that the Daleks with the powers of the outer galaxies are assembling a war force for the complete destruction of our galaxy. If anybody gets this message, send it to Earth at once. This is where I wrote down, I see where this is going. (laughs) Elsewhere, the Dalek seismic detector has picked him up, and they are ordered to exterminate the humans on site. I appreciate this because this looked a lot like the device that they used in, I think it was the chase. Mm. When they're on the desert. Oh, yeah, the uh, little gimbal. The little gimbal mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, yeah. The little z- gyroscope. Yeah, yeah. Consistency. So the Daleks surround Corey as he desperately tries to launch the rocket and fails. He's shot dead. The His message falls to the side. The Daleks don't notice the messages fall to the side. They just comment that whatever he knows has died with him, and they leave and return to the city. And this is where I wrote, actually, I did not see that coming. (laughs) In this episode, the the Daleks apparently can't see or hear anything. Yes. Right. And so, like, let's be clear. That's the end, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's what you get. And I I, I was like, okay, um, so, okay, so I thought, okay, trope number one, like, Corey is going to dying breath, you know, managed to get, like, the message and, and then it, like, flies off right as he gets shot. No. And so then I'm like, okay, is, like, Yorkshire putting Lowry going to have, like, some amount of awareness left and, like, you know, he's going to send the message? Nope. It is a sad <laughs> ending. That's what you get. No, and yeah. instead we, like, go back to uh, to the big evil table of evil with the thing right. Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic and the rest of the Avengers talking right. about how they're going to rip and tear and burn and <laughs> destroy the entire solar system. And, and they, they raise all chant victory as it ends. And not at the same time. It's very discordant <laughs> and weird. Now that I notice the Dalek starts chanting victory last, like he's doing it because he feels that's what he needs to do at that moment. Like oh, yeah, he's just feeling a little victory. left out. I guess no, you can like scream other. This. You can scream <laughs> other words in succession besides exterminate and destroy. Yes. So yeah, and then we just get next time the Temple of Secrets. But yeah, and with um Corey's death, the actor who plays him, Edward D'Souza, tells a story about how when he was watching this episode with his three-year-old son at home. Oh, this was good. When, when Corey was shot on screen, his son immediately turned around to make sure that his father was still alive. <laughs> See, now that's prime traumatize your child. Yeah. Like, missed, like missed opportunity. Because like, he should have just been like, 
<laughs> it doesn't really work for everybody at home if you just like make the face. Yeah. To our, pe- our people at home, Andy just made or like a fake My dead, dead face. guy face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like it would have been yeah such a awful thing to do to a child, and I should never have. <laughs> so yeah, that's where our story ends. Everything is terrible. Everybody's dead. The Daleks have won. It's a feel-good hit of the summer. Yes. So, yeah, and as we've mentioned throughout, we watched the Loose Cannon reconstruction, and we also watched the 2019 remake filmed by some students, some college students. And so what I wanted to get is what did you all think of the remake and of the concept of, you know, doing a remake of some of these lost episodes? I think they should do it with all of them. Yeah, absolutely. I wholeheartedly support it. Especially, I have to say, the acting was pretty, for, of at least our like UN Space Boys, was pretty good. And uh, Corey especially, like definitely kind of pulled off that like Cary Grant kind of like smoldering kind of like, you know, um, man of action. I thought he was walking a real fine line there between being just a little too much like can't be chewing the scenery but i kind of get that from Corey. Yeah. i mean absolutely and also like they were trying to recreate you know a 60s sci-fi show and i think i thought had we the video of the original i i just i would have bought it you know mm. and yeah i mean i liked that they kept it in black and white Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought yeah. that the costumes were great. The sets were great. Okay, the one thing that maybe not so great was that it was you know obviously a stage where they just threw a couple leaves on the ground and made made pretend it was a jungle. But that was the only thing they kind of skimped out on. Everything yeah. else looked looked great. I, I thought it still looked pretty good. I don't know how much better the original would have looked, though. Yeah. As far as the jungle, I mean. I mean, the the original jungle is probably some plants on a soundstage. Yeah. Some of the camera angles didn't match up exactly with the, the images that we had, but for the most part, they got they were pretty faithful. And it was mm-hmm. a loving rendition. Yeah. Yeah. And as I pointed out in our private group... Um, yeah, the uh, Corey's like space gun is the the tip of it is made from like a fermentation lock for like making beer and wine, and <laughs> it's like I saw it and I was instantly like, "Yep, that that's a fermentation lock." Because like, I mean, it's very you know fifties era bulbous kind of ray gun looking, and I thought that was such <laughs> was such a clever idea. I'm totally gonna make one of those. You know, I mean, that's part of this long sci fi tradition of like taking crap you know like um for example there there are are pieces of like the original star wars models that are just made out of model car kits mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, yeah and stuff like that like one of, i know on star trek one of the shuttlecraft i think on the next generation series the the little engines on the side are made out of parts of disposable razors <laughs> but yeah so you seem to definitely be behind the concept of remaking and it definitely works here where we don't have any of our regular characters but do you think it would work in terms of you know having the doctor and companions actually in these episodes yes you need the right actors yeah 
Yeah, I think so. So at first, I thought they may like might have been using the original audio. Mm. I wouldn't mind seeing somebody try it, you know, because like you know the original audio, the original like with this with this one, it wouldn't have mattered, right? Because none of these people are main characters. Yeah. I can't make up my mind yet about whether it would be better to just completely react it or if it would be good to use their um like the original you know voices and stuff. I mean, I suppose now there's a third option too now that we're in kind of the the era of the relatively inexpensive deep fake. Oh, I thought you were going for a machinima kind of thing. Oh, no, no. I mean, didn't we what what was that? Did, was that Marco Polo? I think that was Marco Polo. Oh, where they, yeah, no, okay. honey, no, no. <laughs> well, we also did see some of those animations with, um, I think it was Reign of Terror. Those were exceptional. That if, was cool. Yeah. The rotoscoped looking yeah. one. And we'll be seeing more of those because oh, that's the way that they've handled a lot of these lost episodes now. They've been doing animations rather than these live action remakes. You know, yeah. I think I would miss Hartnell's voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing, you know. Although, um, oh, I don't want to give away too much. I do know that there have been some like official, recent um, re Hartnells, but I can't remember who it was that they picked to play him because I David only Bradley. Oh, David yeah, Bradley. Right. I yeah. saw I saw a picture that I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> I saw like two seconds of footage, and I was like, <gasps> and like I, it was, <laughs> I backed away. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I mean, like, technically I'm allowed to because I'm, like, the modern one, and you know, yeah. and I'm supposed to be keeping up, but I haven't seen it yet. But, like, the, the bits I saw were just like, oh, oh, so good. So, you know, if he if he was involved, maybe. But, like, I think, yeah, otherwise, like, I think ideally it would be something like we saw with the... Um, uh, Reign of the Terror Reign of and Terror, the right, animations, right. yeah. Yeah, that was really, really, really good. Like, that, that was made it worth it. Right. So I guess we'll move on to our reactions to this story. Do you want to give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a meh? And I guess we'll start with Bay. Bay, thumbs up, thumbs down, or meh? You know, usually I like to going first with these, but this is, I, I think this one's tricky. I liked additional Dalek lore. That's always cool. It updates things. It brings us up. Further into the future, further into the time of Steven and Vicky and everyone, because all of the Doctor's current companions are humans from the future, just like these characters are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're caught up with everything that's happened after the invasion of the Earth. We're a thousand years before that. Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate the progression. Who doesn't love the Daleks? I liked the weird aliens of the outer what was it the outer systems yeah the outer um, galaxies or systems the, the, or whichever systems, galaxies constellations hey listen they don't care so why outer should planets. i yeah <laughs> outer suns just pick outer astronomical body yep but um i i felt like some of their designs were a little lazy. Now, I will say that I saw some great production stills with Verity Lambert kind of like yeah. looking like she's having a ball with, <laughs> with these weird aliens, and that made me like them a little bit more. It's it's a weird episode, man. I don't, I can't put it up against one of the normal ones and compare it because we're, we're missing our main cast that we've come to know and love. Everybody dies. It's very bleak. Like yes. 
the ding meter just kept going. Mm-hmm. Yep. In fact, I in one are of you the, a human? You've been dung. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm excited for where it's going, as I think what I would say. Uh, I'm somewhere in between a man and a thumbs up. I guess I'll give it a thumbs up because I want to see what that master plan is. Yeah. But but this episode on itself, I don't think it's enough to hold together a serial. I think you need to attach it to, to something. something else. Yeah. Because it's definitely enough bait to get me interested in a story. But as a story itself, it's pretty weak. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a thumbs up anyway. All right. Like Daleks. <laughs> You're so kind. Well, it's absolutely a meh for me. Although I, I, I'll also caveat that by saying that my first impulse was to um, recuse, right? Or not recuse, but like abstain, because yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's like the it's like the beginning of something greater. It's right. as a contiguous serial. It's a hell of an intro. I mean, like it's it's weird and disconnected, but kind of experimental. And it's it's an interesting kind of it's like um, a moose bouche, right, or whatever. It's just kind of like a scene setter. Yeah. But you know, without certainly without like assuming that the remake didn't exist, and assuming that we had the c- complete you know original episode, that's that might a be, good point. That's that might be too point. much. But like, uh, I would I would probably I would go with a man. So like, I would separate it. I would say that the remake is actually a solid thumbs up because it's just so boss and they did such a good job. And and I'm I mean like my experience would have been much worse had I not had it. Mm. But like as uh, as it stands, the soar, the story is a man. It may have been a thumbs up because I thought there were some cool elements. But those were like, you know, ripped off of the Triffids. You know? So <laughs> like I, 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 I'll give them credit for cacking everyone. That's that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a meh for me. I, I, I wanted to note that like going back and looking at the telesnaps, the bad guy costumes were not too bad. Um, there was one in particular that I would love to find out more about, which is I, I saw in the backgrounds. It's like this kind of tall skeletal looking not the not the not the is, tall is not this the, not, a female so not the super tall like um devo hat black <laughs> red one that's creature. made out of cardboard yeah not that one there's one that's like in between that i saw that i mean of course it could have also been scenery but to me it looked like this really cool looking kind of skeletal like biomechanoid thing and that that looked pretty cool that looked like it had some production value behind it but yeah meh mm-hmm. dan how about you it's really hard to judge this episode because it's it's just a one and done. Yeah. And it doesn't have a whole lot tying it to anything else that I've seen. But I'm going to go and give it a thumbs up just because I liked pretty much all of the villainry that was going on in this episode. The Daleks always entertaining uh, with all these weird aliens from beyond the galaxy that I don't think we've seen before in the series. Maybe we have. I, I haven't seen them before. And uh, I thought a lot of their their dialogue was very fun in a hammy sort of way. Uh, I liked the acting from both the person playing Corey and the other person. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Lowry. Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. They've Lowry all and got Corey very were... samey names. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah, Lowry, Corey. I think the other one was Garvey. Garvey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
And it was just interesting that it didn't have there's there's no doctor in this. There's no TARDIS. There's not even any companions uh, to sort of yeah. tie us back into what we're accustomed to seeing. So I guess in a way it proves that you can have an episode of Doctor Who that doesn't have the Doctor in it at all. Because they did it at least once. And maybe you disagree. I, I, I know you, you gave it a meh. Uh, I'm just giving it a thumbs up because I enjoyed watching it. Uh, as far as how I think of it as a Doctor Who episode, um, it's probably not ever going to be on one of my top yeah. 100 lists. But it wasn't. It certainly wasn't dreadful. I had a good time watching it, and it was a lot of fun to see the um, see the reconstruction and the the refilming of it. So wait, so we've got Lowry, yes, Garvey, yep, Corey, yep, Sneezy, Grumpy, <laughs> Dopey, and of course Doc. But don't call him Doc. <laughs> well, Doc didn't appear in this episode. But yeah, and yet he and neither did most of the other seven dwarves. (laughs) So yeah, and as for me, yeah, it's uh, this is a difficult one to judge. I enjoyed it. I it's not really a Doctor Who episode, but um, it's Mm -hmm. enjoyable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a thumbs up because I think that its job was to get you interested and hooked into the twelve episode monstrosity we have coming up. It's a and conjunction. I think it did that job job well. So yeah. I'll I'll give it a thumbs up for doing its job. <laughs> and for entertaining me for, you know, twenty five minutes. It it does seem like the sort of thing that the show should do more. Like more risks, fewer mm. serials that seem like uh, not a remake of another serial, but you know, like yeah. more variety in terms of the serials that they're making. So the viewing numbers, this episode was watched by 8.3 extremely confused viewers. <laughs> the reaction at the time was pure confusion. People had no idea what was going on. They were wondering where the doctor was, where's our cast, they are even more confused next week when the next serial has absolutely nothing to do with this or with the Daleks. <laughs> but yeah, it, this is a serial that makes sense in context when you know what's coming up. But if you have no idea where this is leading or what's going on, it makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the audience didn't know what was going on or where this was leading. And they were purely confused. <laughs> I mean, was it critically panned? I'm not sure if it was panned. It was just met with a resounding, what? Yeah. <laughs> Am I watching the right show? Did they miss air something? What's going on? <laughs> so, modern day reviews... It's been somewhat mixed. Some reviews that I like. One reviewer called it a substandard Bond film set in space where Bond is, quote, a bit pants. (laughs) Elizabeth Sandifer describes this as showing what happens all of those times in all of those situations where the doctor doesn't show up. Everybody does. Yeah, it helps to remind us that for every time the Doctor does show up and saves the day, 
There are probably hundreds of times when the doctor doesn't, and this was one of them. And the writers of the About Time series says that this helps to show and establish just how powerful the Daleks are and shows us what happens when the doctor isn't around to stop them. Mm -hmm. Mm. But yeah, everybody does say that, you know, if Verity Lambert wanted to go out on a good note, mission accomplished it's a pretty you know solid you know way to leave to set up this big story have some fun with daleks and aliens they didn't have a a huge budget that they were working with and it's still the era where they're probably going to tell instead of show yeah but seeing the daleks conquer like what was it 70 yeah 70 worlds and uh, 70 planets in the ninth galactic system and 40 more in the constellation of Minos. That would have been something to see. That would have been a a cool interlude. Mm. But yeah, in our polls that we look at, it's not surprising that it doesn't do that great, all things considered. It's number 133 out of 200 in the 2008 poll. And number 169 out of 241 in the 2013 poll. So, you know, fairly middling numbers. But again, considering that it's a missing story with none of our main characters. Okay. (laughs) People do point to a lot of positives. It can be a tense and exciting story. It keeps your interest. Uh, One reviewer says that it's perhaps the best writing that Terry Nation's done to this point. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really backhanded compliment. And that we kind of get the sense that he actually wanted to tell this story, unlike what we get some other times from Terry Nation. So the overall impact or, you know, things that have come from this story. After this... Nation wrote a pilot called The Destroyers for his hopeful Dalek series, but he never managed to sell that pilot. At one point while they were filming the 12-parter, the set was mysteriously visited by Sam Rolfe, the creator of The Man from Uncle. We wonder who set that visit up. The pilot was eventually produced in audio form by Big Finish in, you know, the current century. So it is out there if you want to listen to the um, Space Security Agency pilot that uh, Nation wrote. (laughs) Both this and the following 12-parter were offered for sale overseas, but they weren't purchased which is part of why only a handful of the episodes of the 12th parter exist. Mm. Wait, so I've heard big things about... This is what we call the Daleks master plan. Yeah. I've heard big things about this, and you're saying it didn't get a wide distribution? Not really. You know, just the normal places that the UK would send things out to, none of the real, you know... So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was probably sent to Australia and Canada, but it wasn't sell, sell, sold to the African nations or things like that. Or the Middle East. Or, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this one-parter is one of three stories, along with Marco Polo and a story called The Massacre that's coming up, 
that doesn't even have a single clip in existence. Mission <laughs> to the Unknown. The costumes, the alien costumes that we saw here were redesigned a little bit between now and the 12-parter. And for a long time, people weren't sure, you know, who Malthus was or things like that, which of those aliens, because things get a little confusing when you change up the costumes. And we weren't able to clear that up until some of those episodes of the Dalek Master Plan were eventually found. Um, but the big change, of course, is that this is the end of Verity Lambert's association with Doctor Who. <sighs> Pour one out for Pour one girl. out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Having taken hold of a show at the age of 28 and as a woman and turning it into a big success, she was now a big shot in BBC drama, and she'd go on to produce a number of shows. Her next job would be producing a new soap called The Newcomers, but she pretty quickly moved on from that to Sidney Newman's new sci-fi action show, Adam Adamant Lives. In 1979, she'd become the controller of drama for Thames Television. She'd eventually form her own production company, which included production of the show Jonathan Creek in the late 90s. And she'd do a number of other things before she died on November 22nd, 2007. Mm. Um, among her accomplishments, she made decisions that kept the show running and that would make it popular. And she fought anybody who got in the way of that, including Cindy Newman himself. Yeah, I th I th I'm sorry. I think it's fair to say that we owe Doctor Who at yeah. all to Verity Lambert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she was the one who convinced Sidney Newman to be okay with the Daleks. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of afraid because you're saying she's leaving. Yeah. If we're going to go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she really had a good eye for what was popular and what would be popular. Uh, she managed to get William Hartnell to play well with others in a way that he won't from now on. Oh, this is kind nice. of the end of the good era of William Hartnell getting along with other human beings. And yeah, Elizabeth Sandifer, in her ultimate conclusion to the Verity Lambert era, says that, you know, the main thing to take away from this episode is that it's primarily about saying goodbye to one of the greatest women who ever lived. Uh, yeah, I'd say that. I'd say so. Yeah, without qualification. I've just been, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Parody. Like, it was It was so nice to, you know, bear witness to what she did for this show and, you know, for, you know, countless fans to come. Yeah. So, great job and thank you is really all that we could say to Verity Lambert, I think. Bay, any final thoughts on Verity Lambert? I just, um, I think hers is the kind of story that we we should talk a, a little bit about more. I mean, not, not just her, but, you know, some of the maybe more overlooked women and minorities in television history or just about any creative pursuit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think she gets major props for being a trailblazer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the exact word I was thinking. Now, I mean, n- not just because of Doctor Who. I mean, there are countless other shows out there where people were working behind the scenes and, and putting out really great content. I know it's a little awkward where like four white dudes sitting in our <laughs> our apartments or houses or whatever talking about this but um but really it it makes for better stories mm-hmm. when you have more people and different people involved mm-hmm. yeah and so next we begin the um John Wiles era proper and our next story is called The Myth Makers which is a story that is perhaps more important for what happens behind the scenes than what happens on camera. This story, I will say, is kind of the major turning point in the William Hartnell era and in William Hartnell's ability to play well with other people. And a lot of things happen behind the scenes, so much so that we might actually end up having to split a four-part serial into two episodes, (laughs) but we'll see. But that's all that I really have to say for now, so I'd like to thank Dan for joining us. Thank you. It was was nice to be here. And uh, I also want to thank Dan for making our logo Mm -hmm. uh, and making us look great. Yes, thank you for that. You're very welcome. (laughs) So anybody have any other parting words before we go? No, just uh, thanks once again for tuning in. And uh, we look look forward to seeing you for the the next episode and, of course, the 12-parter. Yes. To victory. (laughs) Yes, please rate, share, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, email us. And I guess my closing remark this time is just going to be a thank you, Verity Lambert. Good night.